Hello, welcome to our audio Bible study. This is lesson 12 out of 25 lessons, and I pray that this entire series will help you know more about the God of the Bible. God bless and enjoy the series. Well, today we are going to be talking about a topic that raises fear as well as intense interest. Today's topic is about hell. This topic has raised just as many different doctrines as the sand in the sea. Different worldviews provide their form of explanation of what and where hell is. And even within the Christian religion, there are different doctrines about hell. But today, we're simply going to bypass all that and we will refer to the Bible and see what the Bible says about what hell is and where it is. So fasten your seat belts and let's go. Well, before we talk about hell, let's revisit what God is. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 simply states, and I quote, God is love, unquote. And if God is love, what would God's desire be for the entire humanity? I mean, would a loving God be sitting up there waiting to zap us as soon as we make a mistake and then send us to hell? Would that be a loving God? What would his desire be? Well, let's have a look at what the Bible says. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, and I quote, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all shall come to repentance, unquote. Essentially, God's goal is that no one is to be perished. Well, while it is evident that not everyone will perish or not everyone will repent, God's wish is that all people would find salvation in him. And Jesus invited all, everyone, who labor and are heavily laden to come to him. Clearly stated in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. While whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. That was seen in John chapter 3, verse 16. So to start with, the loving God does not want anyone to perish, and he wants all to come to repentance. Now, then what is hell doing in an environment like this? Well, let's first look. Who believes in hell? Did Jesus believe in hell? Well, he certainly did. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, I quote, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell, unquote. Now, this is clearly stated by Jesus that he believes in a place called hell. Well, then the next question might be, when is hell going to start to burn or when is hell going to burn? Well, again, let's look at what the Bible says. Here in the scripture, according to Jesus, hellfire will not start burning until the end of this age, which means that there is presently 
nor hell burning, is there? Well, let's look at the scripture. If you go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 40 to 42, and I summarize here, quote, As the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire." Unquote. Very, very clearly, according to Jesus, that hellfire only starts to burn at the end of this age. Now, we are not at the end of this age yet, so the hellfire is not burning yet at the moment. Well, I know to some this may be counterintuitive or even countercultural, and I ask you to bear with me and look at what the Bible says. Now, the question then would ask, when will sinners go to hell? Well, this was very clearly explained by Jesus, and he spoke about the two resurrections. The first one, which is the resurrection of life, that would take place at his second coming, while the other resurrection, the resurrection of condemnation, would not occur until the end of the Revelation's 1,000 years, a whole millennium after the second coming of Christ. This is clearly written in the book of Revelation. And based on the teachings of Jesus, no one will be subject to hellfire until after the thousand years. In John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, it refers to the two resurrections. I quote, The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Unquote. Now this verse clearly states that there are two resurrections. Now, we don't want to be in the second resurrection, do we? Resurrection to condemnation. Well, if hellfire is not burning now, and sinners don't go there until uh, the end of age, well, then where is hell? Well, the Bible very clearly teaches that hellfire takes place on the earth, not underneath, not anywhere else, on the earth. This is written clearly in the Bible. Now, I know this may be counter-intuitive uh, to some of you. While it has been common for people to teach that hell is located in the center of the earth, way down under, such an idea is clearly a fallacy. It is non-biblical. It is a modern myth. Hellfire consumes the entire planet on the earth. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20, verse 9, and we go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. I read from Revelation first. I quote, They, well, being Satan and all the unsaved, went up on the breath of the earth, and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, 
and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Unquote. Now, this is talking about everything happening on earth. Fire comes down from heaven and devout them, Satan and the unsaved, all on earth. And in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, The heaven, I quote, The heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men, unquote. Both of these verses clearly states where hell is going to be. It's going to be on earth. Now, what happens then to the lost people who go to hell? Where are they? Well, people in the Bible states clearly the people who find themselves in the fires of hell die in hell. The most well-known verse in the Bible says that anyone who believes in Jesus will not perish. Simply, that simple as that. The Bible does not teach that people will suffer in hell throughout eternity. I pick up three verses. Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 4, Romans chapter 6 verse 23, and Revelation chapter 20 verse 14. Ezekiel says, the soul who sins shall die. In Romans it says, the wages of sin is death. And in Revelation it says, this, which is hellfire, is the second death. So we're talking that the Bible does not teach people will suffer forever and ever and ever. It says that people will perish, they die. In fact, the Bible clearly states that it is not God's intention that the wicked should exist forever. In fact, it is not possible that the wicked could exist forever. Because eternal life is a gift given to those who have faith in Christ. The Bible is unambiguous when discussing the fate of the lost in hell. The Bible clearly states that the wicked are destroyed in hellfire. They die. They disappear. They don't exist in eternity to suffer in eternity. The lost are lost because they do not have the faith in Jesus Christ. God will not grant the immortality to those who have not chosen to love him. As 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 says, I quote, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Unquote. So the lost do not have the Son and therefore cannot live forever and ever, even in hell, to be tortured. They perish. They are annihilated. Malachi chapter 4 verse 1 and 3 and I read I quote Behold the day is coming burning like an oven and all the proud yes all who do wicked will be stubble and the day which is coming shall burn them up says the Lord of hosts that will leave them neither root nor branch you shall trample the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, unquote, says the Lord of hosts. Clearly in Malachi it says, for the wicked, for the lost, they will be annihilated. Now, what about Satan? What about the devil? Well, 
Even the devil is reduced to ashes by the fires of hell. Satan and his angels, the one-third of the angels in heaven, the unholy angels who decided to follow Satan. So Satan and his angels will not be given authority to torture the lost in hell. This is yet another myth. In fact, Satan himself, along with every fallen unholy angel, will be blotted out of existence in the fires of hell. They will be annihilated. Hell exists to cleanse the world. It's almost like a furnace. You burn things you don't want, and the furnace is there to get rid of stuff that you do not want. Is to rid the planet and the universe of the every last trace of sin. To rid the universe of the presence of sin. Now, God has no interest in reserving a small corner of the universe as an eternal cesspool where people enduring indescribable torment suffer it for eternity. God and the Bible never stated that. As he did in the days of Noah, as God did, God will cleanse the world once again, just as he did before Noah. But this time, the affliction will not rise up a second time. Sin and sinners will be gone forever. Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 19. Therefore, I quote, Therefore I brought fire from your midst, it devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. Unquote. So now we know Satan is going to be annihilated, totally destroyed. He's not going to be given a special job to torture people. He doesn't even exist. Now the next question is, does the Bible say anything about the people, the wicked people? Will they burn forever? Well, let's go to Revelation 14, chapter 11, and Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And I quote 14. The smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever received the mark of his name, unquote. In chapter 20, I quote, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be torment day and night forever and ever. As we have seen, the Bible teaches that Satan will be reduced to ashes in the fires of hell. It isn't possible for the devil to be reduced to ashes to burn forever and ever at the same time. No way. Once you're reduced to ashes, you're finished. The fire is extinguished. It's, it's finished forever. The effect of this annihilation is forever. In other words, sin, the presence of sin, Satan, the prophets, and the beast will be annihilated for, forever. They will not exist forever. But the burning will take place until they disappear until they are perished and the burning stops. But the effect or the result of the burning, which is total extinction of evil, 
last forever. That's what the Bible is trying to teach us. Sometimes we get confused with a metaphor or a strict interpretation of the word. Now the word forever has caused misunderstanding when it comes to hell. When the word forever is used, in, even in today's term, we tend to exaggerate uh, the effect of it. Or well, give it an instance. You might be lining up at the supermarket and the, the checkout person perhaps is a little bit slower than you expect. And you stand there and you, see, you complain and you say, oh, I'm standing in this line. I've been standing here forever. Now, what you're saying is not forever. You have not been standing at the supermarket checkout for eternity. You're just simply saying it taking, it's taking a long time. And sometimes when Bible stories are being used, and the Bible used the word forever, they are being used in the same context. And I quote two verses here. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 22 and 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 28. I quote, this is when Hannah as saying, I quote, Hannah said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever, unquote. And then Hannah said in Samuel 1, chapter 1, verse 28, it says, she also said, I also have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord, unquote. Notice here what Hannah says is her child will be living in the temple. The word she used was forever. What she really meant was that he will be in the temple for as long as he lives. In this case, well, forever. For as long as Samuel lives. Not forever being in eternity, but until Samuel dies. Another example would be in, in the book of Jonah when it says, I went down to the mornings of the mountains and the earth and its bars closed behind me forever. The word forever was used. But what Jonah was saying is Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I mean, Jonah said that he was in the sea forever. Yet the Bible explained it's not forever. It's three days and three nights. Well, it's a long time to be in a fish's belly for three days and three nights, almost like as if it's forever. Just as with Samuel, which we last talked about at the temple, forever did not mean eternity forever in the sense of an event lasting eternally. If forever means eternal, we could still expect to find Samuel in the temple today and Jonah still in the belly of the fish, wouldn't we? But they're not. While on two occasions the Bible refers to hellfire as lasting forever, it uses the phrase forever in the same way that it does on dozens of other occasions where forever refers to simply as long as an event should last. So many times the Bible uses the phrase forever in conjunction with an event that has long expired. Well, I quote an example. The Bible clearly states that the experience of Sodom and Gomorrah was an example of the eternal fires of hell. Clearly, here the word eternal does not mean 
that the fires of hell will burn eternally. I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah are not still burning today, are they? Well, they're not. It's finished. But the effects of the hellfire are eternal. The sinners in hellfire will be as Sodom and Gomorrah were, reduced to ashes, and they will cease to exist in eternity. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah does not exist anymore. You could find this in Jude 7 and in Second Peter verse chapter 2, verse 6. In Jude it says, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, uh, it goes on, and then it says, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. In Second Peter, it says, turning the ashes or the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them to destruction, making them an example to this who afterward would live ungodly. Here, the word eternity or forever talks about the effect of burning, not the actual burning itself. So now let's turn. For whom was hell then designed for? Well, we did say just now, hell was designed to cleanse the earth of the presence of sin. Hell was conceived of as means of ridding the universe of sin and the ark sinner. Who is the ark sinner? Satan. Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11 says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his ways and live. Unquote. God is simply saying he wants us to repent and not be lost. But those who choose the service of Satan, those who choose to reject God's gift and go over to Satan, they, together with Satan, will be destroyed. Together with the fallen angels, Matthew 25 verse 41 calls this everlasting fire. Unquote. It means the effect of this burning is going to be everlasting. And as Jude 7 makes it clear, it is not the fire itself that is everlasting, but the effects. Anything or anyone destroyed in hellfire will be totally destroyed forever, annihilated, non-existent, forever. Well, there's one unanswered question that some have raised. Why does the Bible mention even the word unquenchable fire? What if the fires of hell will eventually burn out? Why unquenchable? Well, the explanation is simply this. God discusses a fire that should not be quenched. This was seen in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 27. This fire, this unquenchable fire, is also referred to in 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 19 to 21, and took place when Jerusalem was destroyed by Babylon. Is Jerusalem still burning today? Well, no. Obviously, the Bible was talking about the effect of Jerusalem being destroyed, not the fire. God is clearly uh, clarifying a very solemn point. Nothing will be able to in any way lessen the seriousness of hellfire. Hell will burn until it is done its work. The fire will burn until it consumes everything. 
Nothing after that, nothing will be able to escape the seriousness of hell. It will completely annihilate everything it touches. It will do its job until it's finished. Now then you have another query about the Bible scripture in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 to, to 31. It talks about the rich man and the Lazarus. And that has often caused confusion. Let's explore that now. See, the story of the rich man and Lazarus is a parable. It's not trying to explain about hell or heaven. It's simply a parable that's been used. And Jesus shared this story not to illustrate the realities of afterlife, not at all, but to teach his hearers, people, some vital, vital lessons. And the lessons are these. Number one. Wealth. In the case of the rich man, wealth is not a guarantee of God's blessing. Neither is poverty, in the case of Lazarus, a sign of lacking God's blessing. That's one lesson. Number two, the second lesson is about salvation is not the birthright. Now, many Jews at that time felt that because they were the descendants of Abraham, they were guaranteed salvation. This parable from Lazarus uh, and the rich men, Jesus wanted to demonstrate to the, his hearers that hereditary or birthright does not provide eternal life. There is no guarantee by anyone. And the last lesson in this parable was that believers must follow what is written in the Bible. If you love me, you follow my commandments. In this parable, Jesus was talking about the rich man and this rich man is told that if his brothers would not hear, basically Moses and the prophets, they would not believe even one of them rose from the dead. Interesting, a man called Lazarus did rise from the dead. And rather than believe in Jesus, the religious leaders plotted to have Lazarus murdered as well. This was in John chapter 12, verse 10. So here you are, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus was not Jesus explaining the realities of hell. It was Jesus trying to teach his hearers three important lessons using this parable. Now, we did say just now that there is a purpose for hell. It's to cleanse the world of the, the ark sinner, his angels, prophets, and the beast, and to get rid of the presence of sin forever. Now, what is God going to do after the hellfire was burned? Well, after the fires of hell have gone out, God will recreate the earth. Every last trace of sin will be gone. Our eternal home will be a place of beauty and perfection where God will dwell amongst his people. He will be there for all of us. Hellfire reveals the love of a gracious God. After doing everything he can to save every last person for all eternity, then God ultimately does the final act. He destroys the earth and gets rid of what is unwanted, gets rid of every trace of sin. And those who choose not to receive the everlasting life will not be caused to suffer for eternity. They will be blotted out of existence simply. Sin and sinners will be no more. 
the safe will be free to enjoy eternity without the presence of sin. Amen. You can find all this in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, and I quote, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea, and it goes on, unquote. So to end, let me ask you this. Are you willing to accept the gift of salvation from Jesus now, today? And are you looking forward to eternity in a world without sin and sadness? It would be madness to say no to this question. And I pray, and I pray that in the quietness of your heart, you would say yes. And you would, in the quietness of your heart, ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your personal saviour so that you too can also join God's kingdom and live with God and dwell with Him forever and ever and ever in pure joy and pure love. God bless.